Hi everyone, welcome back to Heavenland Devotions, The Little Green Pasture. God bless you. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad I'm here because I'm expecting the living waters to flow forth out of my belly. I had a wonderful time in prayer this morning and in, and in searching the scriptures, which I call living at the well, which I got from Amy Carmichael. And I hope you live at the well too, which is the word of life. So before I get started, I am going to pray. And I would ask that you pray along with me. Dearest Lord Jesus, the one whom my soul loveth, I look to you in reverent awe, like the wonderment of a child. I pray, Lord, that as I speak your word today, that, Lord, it would be your presence and your sound and and your witness of your the witness of your Holy Spirit. Because, Lord, I keep hearing in my spirit all morning long. Them that are thirsty, let them come and drink. Let the thirsty come. Amen. Let them drink. Lord, I praise you and I thank you. And I set the Lord always before me. I'll follow you. And I commit all into your hands that you be magnified in this simple vessel. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning in devotions, I came across Psalm 44, 20 through 22. It was really verse 22 that the Holy Spirit just, I just stopped. And it was immediate that that flow of the presence of the Lord began just immediately flooded in. Just like you would open up blinds in a dark room and the light immediately floods the room. That's how it felt when it came into me today. And before I read the verse, I had been praying and thanking the Lord that morning for all things that he's done for me in my life. And more and more for the things I've seen him do for others how I have spent a lifetime watching the Lord. It feels almost as if in the days of his flesh, I were following him around and I'm seeing him around town and listening to people telling me what he's done for them. I remember years back in my life, I I was so miserable and under so much terribleness that I had hoped, Lord, why don't you just take me home now? What's the point? But I always thanked him year after year because especially when I got older, I could stand on that precipice where I could look down and see all the glorious things that he's done for me. And there was high cost, a lot of suffering. So I've been thanking him a lot lately for what he's done for you and me, what he's done for others and what I see him do every single day though they don't know it. 
and I thanked him for everything I learned. So when I saw this scripture, I'm just going to read verse 22 from Psalm 44 first. Yea, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Those are the words I heard. And I'll do my best to try to take what I received that was just flowing like a river into my spirit and hand it to you. And I want to stay, say this right now because I feel in the Holy Spirit and I have felt it for the last few hours and walking around my house and getting things done, not even really knowing I would do a video today. But I kept hearing them that are thirsty. Let them come, let them drink. And so this morning I said to him, I'm thirsty, Lord, and I want to come and drink. And so there's something about him today that he's really speaking. And if you have ears to hear this, maybe that's you. That you're just so thirsty for the Lord. That I pray that today that you will leave from this time. And that you will be a fountain. You'll have a fountain of water opened up within you. Because Jesus always wants to satisfy those who come to him. And he is so satisfying. So when I saw, yea, for thy sake, we, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. And I thought about those strange words. Not that just we are killed. It says we are killed all the day long. And I really thought about what that meant. And, you know, usually I always go straight to the Bible hub. I'm looking up scholars. And I said, not today. Not today. I'm just going to think about what that means. And I turned myself over to the Lord. You know, what the Lord was showing me in my spirit was in the decades of suffering. It was that I was being killed all the day long. And being killed all the day long, we don't realize it but something is being replaced it's the other life it's the life of jesus christ that begins to expand within us and and we begin to die to things because he brings us out brings us out brings us out so it's always going through and bringing us out like the scripture and song of solomon that says who is she who is this that cometh out of the wilderness leaning upon her lover he always brings us out and we're always the better for it and we're counted as sheep as a slaughter and you know there's there are people in this world today that have suffered in christ jesus and they have spent a life of being killed all the day long they have been ignored they have been left alone to suffer they have been cruelly treated but there's something another life within them that keeps rising to the surface and even days and nights and weeks or months or maybe years maybe they felt they have or not just felt that they have sat down in darkness and i've been in those places and it truly has been in the very depths of those places is where christ raises us up 
faith grows in darkness. I think because of the life that I lived and many of you live, um, we don't really realize it, but we are actually in a way very dependent on relationships around us. Um, even if it's at work, you know, you go, I just go to work and I just work with people. I just punch the time thing and I'm just there for a paycheck. But you can't help but mingle around, around the people that you're with. And sometimes there are the worst people you live with. And maybe there's one person that has been very kind to you or you've moved into a new neighborhood or you are a roommate. And there's all these different scenarios where you have come into contact with people and, of course, people of your own family. And I want to talk about that because I think that you would agree with me that your life, our lives are extremely affected by the lives of other people. People have a touch. Everybody has a touch. They touch other people's lives. And I've been talking a lot about this because I know it's from Jesus. You know, sometimes he'll give me something to teach or share. He'll influence me by his spirit. It's, it's a flow. He wants to talk more about it. He wants, he wants more understanding to be given as well as to my own self. And I think that from our childhood, from birth into today, we've been shaped by people who have helped us and people who showed no mercy. And, you know, I'm going to say this. There are some good people who seem to want to be your friends and to do good. But they stay at a distance and they never come near to you. And there are others who draw close to you. And they look you in your eyes and they touch you with their hands. You know the difference between these two ways of helping. The former person's they give you only cold help with no part of themselves. There's no tender sympathy. The latter may give you really, they don't have a lot to give to you. But they pour a portion of their own warm life into you. See, both, both of them have touched us. And you know, we know that the Lord never withheld any touch from anybody who came near to him. And I've spoke about leaving a scent behind a couple of videos ago about the scent of Christ. What, do you, what scent are you leaving? But there's also a touch. I've experienced help from people that when I needed it the most, there was help, but it was cold. And it made me feel like I was guilty or ashamed for being in a place where they gave help, but it was cold and it left such a, left me, it added so much more pain to me. It made me feel even worse in the situations, in the situations I was in. And there were people that had nothing to offer me, but they poured their warm life into my soul. And that is what I'm talking about here. That all those years I was being killed all the day. I was a sheep, as 
going to the slaughter. And this morning I felt this joy rush into me because I thanked God that I was killed all the day long. That I learned what it meant to receive loving kindness and that warm help from people who had nothing to give. But it made all the difference in my life. And to this day, those touches remain. I can still feel their life that was poured into me. I'll never forget it as long as I live. And there were times in my life, maybe you've experienced them too, but were when you needed help the most. You got help, but it came with strings and it came with guilt. But that wasn't from the Lord, though you received some help. And you know what that was for? Not for us to look back at them and, and say, yeah, I remember when I was going through the worst of my times is to say, no, Lord, because your love was still there for me. And I was learning to receive your touch in my life. And that even if I receive a cold touch and and I, I, I can't think of the word, but an absolute void of love. It adds to a deeper, darker experience. And so I thanked him today. I said, you know, Lord, thank you. Thank you. You know what I felt like? I felt like while that joy was rushing into me, I saw a short little vision of myself, of my foot stepping over a threshold, and I was joining them. That it wasn't for me to sit here and say, woe is me, and look how bad some people treated me. No, you know what? God loves them just as he loves me. We were in just different places at the time. And all these things were the building blocks to the character building of my life. You know, earth, this world is the only place we are ever going to die. You know, what I heard Leonard Ravenhill say one day, he said, Jesus didn't die on the, he died on the cross. He says, Jesus died first in Gethsemane. And I believe that when we fully understand and realize that when we can say, because uh, I believe this is a place where we are brought to at some point in our life. When the Holy Spirit, when the Lord sees that our life has come to a certain point where he can say, where you can see that verse that I just spoke to you and say, yea, for thy sake, meaning for thy sake, for all those that will always be in my life before me. I say, I, and, and for those that were in my past that helped me, but it was a cold, empty, loveless help, like iron bars. I say, yea, for thy sake I am killed, because now I pray for them. And it's real. Elizabeth Elliot said she named her podcast Gateway to Joy, because she said that she had found that all of the sufferings that she had became gateways of joy. And you know what? When we are killed all the day long, it's only that he's killing off what won't serve Christ. What is fearful, what is broken, what is wounded. 
that the life of Christ may be revealed in us and come alive. And that word says, for thy sakes, we are killed all the day long. We are like sheep counted for the slaughter. Well, then count me in. Just count me in. In 1 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10, Paul says, now ye are full. Now ye are rich. You have reigned as kings without us. And I would to God, ye did reign that we may also reign with you. For I think that God has set forth us, the apostles, last, as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise for Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. Do you know when I read that this morning, I said to myself, I would rather be last, appointed to death, a spectacle to the world, a spectacle to angels, a fool, a weak person, and despised. That's me. I put my hand up and I say, Lord, I say it now in the presence of your throne, of the triune Godhead, in the presence of your heavenly angels, because I want all heaven and earth to hear that I want to go with them. See, there is a cost of going without being, like it said, be, you know, he they were, it goes on. You can read the rest of that chapter four. And it's a list of things that they went through. All the naked and sufferings and hungers and freezing cold temperatures and perils from countrymen and all these different things and you can read that in second corinthians chapter 10 but look at what happened what they did what happened and here we are today because you know why well we we're killed all the day long and we're counted as sheep for the slaughter other people live you know I received a comment, and this is in no way, if you're listening, this is in no way to put you on front street. I'm just saying this because somebody wrote to me a comment, and and I could tell that this person truly loves the Lord. And but in a way, and, they, and there was like two big comments, and it was it was written very well, but it was written with a rebuke to every, I guess every person that would read it. Maybe it was just to me. But, you know, I had a wonderful piece about it because it was like it was um, uh, she said something about those that do not stand up and speak for Christ and be bold are those that do not love God. And I said, no, they love God. You can't say that they do not love God. We are not in the place of that judgment to say who loves God. I don't look at myself as her teacher or I'm trying to connect her. There's no debate with me. I love this person, whoever they are. And I prayed for them this morning because I realized that really when it comes down to it, it's that Christ's life in us is the power of love that speaks boldly. You know what speaks boldly? It's not just us saying, you need to come to Christ. You need to stand up. That never brings anybody to Christ. It turns people away. It is the touch of Christ that you give to people in your life around them, wherever you are, wherever you live, and whomever you come into contact with. I have a very dear friend, and he's in his 70s, and he lives alone, and I'm the, pretty much the only person he talks to. 
But when he goes out, maybe he'll go to the store, but he always shines that light to the person checking out his food. See, he's leaving a touch, not just a scent. It never does any good to say, unless you stand up and you be bold. What is boldness anyway? You know what I'm going to be bold to do? I'm going to be bold to love. The Holy Spirit doesn't need me to like say, you know what? I need to stand up. I did that before because I used to be dogmatic in my life. I used to be that Saul of Tarsus. I was that person. I'm telling you, you guys, I don't, I want to expose myself. I used to be kind of, I know kind of, I, I was hard in my heart. I would say, you know what you need to do? This is what you need to do. And, and I would tell other people um, the same thing. I would, I was, I was kind of ruthless. But you know what? Through the being killed all the day long, it, I was receiving the life of Christ while I was dying. Well, God was putting death, everything in me that was interfering with the love flow and the sap life of Jesus Christ. He doesn't need our help. He doesn't need us to do things that he's not asking us to do. And you will know when you are to touch a life. Because usually you'll find it coming to you. And again, I say this not to demean this person. She is as loved as any of the people that God loves. And he know, and I know what she means too. I understand. She loves Jesus so much. She wants everybody to stand up. And let's get to it, right? But you know, in this world, people are thirsty. People are beaten down. You know what I keep thinking about? I was going to do a video on it, but I'll just do it here. For years of my life, I keep thinking of that pillow Jesus slept on. And I was going to do a video called the pillow of Christ. Maybe I will sometime, but I'm going to say it here. The pillow, pillow of Christ. You know, in the, in the hardest days of my life, where I just felt like I was going to just lay down. I was lifeless. I said, Lord, I said, give me that pillow you slept on, the pillow of your comfort, the pillow of your rest, the pillow of the sleep that only God can give. The greatest, most powerful thing you will ever do is to stretch forth your hands. I want to share something else. This is just me flowing with the spirit because I could feel the Holy Spirit wanting me to share this. I did. Um, I was, we're all familiar with Psalm 23, right? And I was reading this little booklet and it was written probably during civil, the civil war era. And this man was talking about how he met a Basque shepherd. And the Basque shepherd was a Christian. And that man was talking about Psalm 23 to him. And he said, you know, when it says the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's because sheep know, they know to trust their shepherd. They know him personally. He said, let me try to get it right. He said, when it says, 
thou makest me to lie down in green pastures. See, all of us have had our thoughts or our own interpretations, but I want to hear what this Basque shepherder said. He said, sheep began feeding at 3.30 in the morning until about 10 in the morning. And that's when they're feeding on the roughage. And about 10, between 10 o'clock and at noon, um, uh, and, and during that time, they're chewing the cud of the rough veg vegetation. But the shepherd knows they're putting on fat. And then he leads them besides, that it says, he leads them beside the still waters. So we get this picture of Jesus walking by the still waters. And maybe I've seen it myself where I'm like kind of following him and it's peaceful. And he's brought my soul into rest. But the shepherds understand what that means. See, sheep will not drink gurgling water. They have to be taken to a high place where the waters are still and then flow down to where they gurgle. And so he has to take them between 10 o'clock and noon to the higher places. Now, if he can't get to a higher place and there's waters that are running because they won't drink from running waters, that that shepherd, he said the shepherds, and he's talking about Holy Land shepherds. He said that shepherd will make a pool of water in his hands and he will feed each sheep with his hands. He'll let them drink out of his hands, that cool, refreshing water. Then it says, um, and then he leadeth, uh, what's the rest, how he, um, he maketh me to walk in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, that Basque shepherder said. The Holy Land sheep are different from the Rambouillet sheep and um, this other, two different kinds of sheep in Europe. He said the Holy Land sheep are different. He said, they're a different kind of sheep. He said, the shepherd leads them in a row, like in, they'll, they'll follow him in single file and they'll feed in a single file when they're feeding. Because when he brings them again to feed, it says, then he takes them to a place where there's finer grass, the sweeter grass. And and they feed on the sweet grass. And it goes on to say, while they're feeding in single file, that Basque shepherder said, the shepherd will either stand or will stand there. And one by one throughout the hours that they're feeding, one by one, a sheep will come to the shepherd. And as the shepherd is coming, he's looking at the shepherd with his eyes. And the shepherd seeing him approach him. And so the shepherd stretches his hand out to welcome the sheep. And then the sheep come and it rubs his leg. And the shepherd rubs under his chin and, you know, does those little things of love. And then it goes back. But he said, but if the shepherd be sitting down, that sheep will come to him and rub his cheek against the cheek of that shepherd. And just get right into that shepherd's face and love him. And then one by one, they all go back to finish feeding. And then it says, yea, the, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The shadow of death is actually a very real valley. It's four and a half miles long. And it's from the Jordan Valley into a certain area. I forgot. I don't have my notes with me. But the point is, is 
they are to do that once a year and all the way is because of cloud bursts it's so narrow in certain places that they can't turn around and go back they can't run away um, there's 1500 feet walls in certain places next to them with the narrowest defiles um, that it's always crooked and walking um, cloud bursts have caused uh, great crevices of the dirt to wash away and there's many places where Jesus uh, Jesus where the shepherd he's a great shepherd they have to coax the sheep to jump they have to jump and he will make sure he'll he'll encourage them but they have to jump they have to jump and every time they will expect wolves there are wolves in that valley and so when it says i rod they staff they comfort me yes that's that rod there's different kinds of rods um that shepherds have there's some that are little they will lift the littler ones up they'll put it around its neck some of the bigger ones around uh bigger ones around their body or there's certain ones where if they've fallen and their head first and their feet are sticking up they they grab they hook the feet and pull them out but when those wolves come because there's narrow defiles as well in places where one small step you're dead when you fall when those animals if an animal falls so it's very dangerous because a sheep can fall and instantly be killed but when those wolves come up and they are he referred to them as dogs and so these dogs come up he said and when they the shepherd sees them on that edge he violently throws his staff to knock them off the edge so they die and so the these sheep spend their entire life with this shepherd so they know that they are safe with him and that part that says uh, thou anointest my head with oil when it's time to bring them back into the sheepfold there is a there uh he puts his rod across there's something he puts it across the entrance so that when the sheep are going under they're passing under that rod that he's looking to see if there's any mites or ticks and all different kinds of things it's to check to see if they have like weepy eyes or scratched eyes or maybe something and he'll get the olive oil that pure olive oil and he'll rub their face with the olive oil it's very medicinal it helps them and also too when it says my cup runneth over we've all thought that it means i don't know some fountain that we're so blessed it's coming over actually there is an earthen huge earthen vessel and because of the nature in it the water that's in it um, the clay keeps it cool even in hot weather and so if he sees um a sheep that's not feeling well and maybe feverish that he will literally grab this big bucket and he'll grab it and it's big and while he's dunking it into the vessel the water is flowing over and he sticks it in in front of the sheep and the sheep plunges its face into the water up to the eyes and drinks deep from that until he's refreshed and the thirst is parched and the feverishness subsides is the lord your shepherd 
Because see, this is a depiction of Jesus, the one who we need to think about the blessing of saying, yea, yea, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. And that we take these things that are happening to us as coming from him. Because, you know, we're so quick to say, well, the Lord is my shepherd. Is he really? Because when you understand it from a holy land shepherd's view, then you've seen your master. You have seen Jesus. Yeah, I'd rather be the last appointed to death, a spectacle to the world, a spectacle to angels, a fool, weak, and despised. Yea, for your sake I'm killed all the day long, for I trust that chief shepherd and bishop of my soul. You could trust a shepherd like that. I want you to remember this. In part of being killed all the day long, speak about others to God. Not just to Lord help them and Lord do this, but go to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to remember so-and-so who worked so hard for you. Lord, thank you for your under shepherds, because you know what I believe? Yeah, there's pastors and I, I, I respect the call, but are we not in a way little shepherds and shepherdesses? I want to be everything that that shepherd is. You know, that shepherd lives every second, loving his sheep, caring for them, destroying the enemies for them. Oh, one more thing I forgot to add. It's so important. You're probably going, Joan, you forgot the part where he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Here's what the shepherds say. The shepherd knows all the terrain. And so while the sheep are in the pen, or, or if he knows later on, he knows the area and he knows up ahead that day because you never know which day the shepherd's going to take the sheep, whether he may take them back to the original pasture or to a new one. But he knows the poisonous plants. And you know what that table is? Let me tell you what that table means. That table is this. While the shepherd are, sheep are in their pen, he goes out there and he has a mattock and he's going around and he recognizes all the uh, poisonous plants. And so he's out there and he's making sure he's getting all the poisonous plants. So he's working while they're resting. They don't know what he's doing. But he's out there and he's getting rid of, he's uprooting all these poisonous plants. And then he gathers all the poisonous plants and he puts them on a big stone and he lays them there to dry. And then in the morning, he lets them go out and they begin to feed. And by that time, they've dried out. And so he burns them, the dried up poisonous plants on a stone table so he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies see he's always going ahead of you he's always ahead of you that is our chief shepherd that is our jesus 
Isn't it wonderful? Aren't you glad he's your shepherd? That great shepherd of the sheep. When I said speak about others, encourage them in their work. I saw this little quote and it said, Blessed is he through long years of suffering, not now from active toil, still shares by prayer and praise the work of others, and this divides the spoil. You know, divide the spoil. Don't take it all to yourself. Live your life making sure you tell other people how much you appreciate their work that they do. Whatever it is, tell people at home, I appreciate you. Talk to God about them. Lord, I want to divide the spoil. Look at my brother. Look at my sister. Look at what they're doing. Look at how they're trusting you. Look at how they're walking in faith, though they're in darkness. Look at how they're trusting in you. Look, look at the look at how they're uh, moving in this world while people are watching. See, it's not all about a um, let's be bold for Christ. You need to stand up for Christ. Jesus has His ways, but I'll tell you something. People are thirsty for love. And it's the, from the great shepherd that love comes, the shepherd of our love. In closing, Jim Elliott said, if we are sheep of his pasture, remember that sheep are headed for the altar. And when it comes time to die, make sure that all you have to do is die, that there's just nothing left of your former self. So you can say, Lord, I'm ready. I am ready, O oh, great shepherd and bishop of my eternal soul. And I think about this life, this long life, you know, if we live long. Some days, these days seem so long, the older we get, and they're so hard, mostly. But I like to say, even the longest day has a sunset. God bless you.